As you are finding your seat, a little encouragement uh, invitation before we go into the message. Uh, this may be new for you or maybe something you've done frequently, but I often, uh, before the end of the year, encourage the church and everyone in it to ask the Lord if there's a word or a phrase that he might want to give you that would frame the next year of your life. It doesn't have to be special or amazing. You just go to the Lord sometime in the next couple of weeks and ask him, God, is there a word or a phrase, a concept or a thought that you would want to give me that would kind of frame the rest of my year? Take some time to pray about that. Take a few days, journal about it, and, and really ask the Lord, God, what's this next year about in, in my own life, spiritually, my heart with you and the way I give to others? And then I'd encourage you, when, when God gives that to you, write it down and then tell someone. Tell someone, here's what I, the way I think the Lord wants to frame uh, my year. Because we've, we do this as a staff, and then we pray for each other um, through the year as a staff about the words that God's given us. And it's amazing how God will work through um, these, what feel like seemingly subjective words, end up being words from heaven and invitations from Jesus himself. So I, uh, I give that to you as a, as a uh, gift Christmas project for you. Okay. We get to look uh, this morning at a verse that demonstrates the actual way that God revealed his love to us in the Christmas event. It's just one verse. It's one verse that has two names of Jesus that demonstrate the character and the action of God that happened during this Christmas season. Um, the, the character of God that comes, the action of God that comes to lost people. Lost people like I was. Lost people like you were. Lost people like, honestly, maybe some of you are right now. We, we get to look at this verse that gives two names that, that uh, give us the nature, the character, and the action of God. So this is Matthew uh, 1. Uh, 20 to 23. If you've got a Bible, it will be on the screen, but I'd encourage you to open your Bible in any way that you form that you might have it. And let's read. This is God's word to us this morning. Matthew 1, 20 to 23. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray. We... Thank you, God, that you are with us and here in Christ with your saving power. And we open our hearts to hear your word and to um, know your presence and your power in even deeper ways. In the name of Jesus, amen. So two names, Emmanuel and Jesus. They feature big in Christmas songs, obviously. Emmanuel, God is with us. And Jesus, God saves or, or um, Yeshua uh, is salvation. Two declarations, or you might say two promises, or the way I'm looking at it this morning, really two invitations. How does God very practically communicate his love to us? Love is coincident with presence and power. Love 
comes with presence and power. It's hard to imagine true love without some sort of presence and some sort of power. You can't really love from afar, right? You have to be present. You can't really save from afar. If you, if you have children, you know that feeling of your child's about to do something stupid <laughs> or dangerous, and you're across the room, and everything goes into slow motion. You go, ah, right? Because you can't save from afar. You have to be present to bring saving power. Maybe if you're God, you could do that. I mean, God could, in fact, because he's God, he could plop his love into our hearts miraculously. He could save us with a poof of his hand. But um, God chose to demonstrate and, his, and communicate his love for us very specifically through the nature of these two names. God chose to be with us, incarnation. And God chose to save us through crucifixion. So that's where we want to focus today. Love was not beamed to the world from heaven. Love is born in the world in a body, in human flesh. Love isn't a a check sent from eternity to cancel our debt. Love is a, a person. Love is a being that decided to pay our debt with death. I mean, you think about how God could have done the salvation event, right? Lots of ways he didn't need to use awkward Virgin gets pregnant. How embarrassing is that for Mary, right? Angels, babies in dirty uh, stables. Why would God choose to do it that way? But God chose the path of incarnation and crucifixion to demonstrate our love tangibly and tragically in this supernatural life and the sacrificial death. That's how God decided he would let us know, hey, I love you. God's with us. And in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, he's present. He's present right now. And he's powerful to save. And it's, it's likely that somebody came in here this morning or is watching online and you feel desperate for your life. I mean desperate for your life. Whether that's a, a, a physical issue, an emotional issue, uh, thoughts of suicide. I, I want to announce this morning God is present with us, and he's powerful to save if we call on his name. Zephaniah, the prophet, says this, Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He'll rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you by his love. He'll exalt over you with loud singing. God chose to demonstrate love through presence and saving power. So I want to look at both of those names, the name Emmanuel and the name Jesus for a couple minutes, and then we want to pray that God will release that love into our hearts and the lives of others. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is here in our midst. God, who's transcendent, which just means totally other, completely other than we are, not like us in so many ways, chose to become one of us so that he could become imminent, which just means near. And um, I've, uh, I can't remember who the speaker was. I remember sometime uh, a person speaking. They said, God is here. Maybe it was Merlin. I don't know. God is here. Reach out your hand just like this. And, you know, he was just saying he's closer than that. I mean, God's present with us. That's what Emmanuel means. 
True love longs for presence. You know what that feels like? Your loved one is away and looking at the moms who, are sending, who have sent their kids off to college. And <laughs> True love longs for presence. I try to keep most, most of my messages PG-13, so I'll try not to get too scandalous. But you can't make love unless you're near, right? You can't create or co-create with God unless you're together. Now, honestly, and this is not a joke, if you think you can make love without being present, there's another issue going on. That's called distorted love or disordered love, and I mean that. You've got love demands presence. The creative love of God demanded in some way that God would leave heaven and come to be with us so that he could recreate us, so that he could renew us. God demonstrated his love by becoming one of us, by becoming that present that he would feel our flesh and know what it's like to be in pain. Love gives whatever it has for the beloved. Love sacrifices even the most cherished thing for the beloved. And so love, if accepted, changes the beloved. You know, if if someone recently or at some point in your life has said, I love you, and you knew it was true, you, 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 you can feel what it does in your heart. It opens you up to something. Because love is not a human emotion. It descends from heaven. It's, it's a divine emotion. I mean, there was no pain in heaven, right? And Jesus decides, I'm going to go down and be one of them. There's plenty of pain on earth, and Jesus came into it. And Jesus didn't just come into earth to be sort of token God-man for a minute and then go. He chose this odd path of um, true incarnation, to be born, to cry. I mean, to, to feel all the feelings, to go through the challenges of childhood, the tortures of adolescence. Sorry if any of you are in that space right now. The stark reality of adulthood. I was um, going to, uh, well, on Friday, it just turned out that I ended up at the Carmel Library. New library in Carmel, beautiful. I mean, it's like another planet in there. I thought, I'll go into the library, I'll, I'll work, it'll be quiet, it'll be beautiful, it's going to be amazing. I'll find a little nook, there's a coffee shop, it's going to be great. Until I realized it was finals week <laughs> at Carmel High School. And what happens in finals week is every student clones themselves three times. And then they all come to the library. I mean, this was my plan, and I really don't like to change plans, so I walked into the coffee shop. It was a buzz. And here's what I want to say, and I just mean this honestly. You could feel the angst. You could feel the insecurity. I mean, you could palpably feel the, the, the anger and the emotion and like the, do I look good enough? And what do they say? And, you know, I could feel it all. Um, in fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting at the window looking out, trying to stay as far away from everyone as I can. I've got Mozart in my ears, pretty loud, all right? And I just, I'm typing away on this very message like this. And I look up and this girl turns around and selects a finger from her right hand and puts it up and then I couldn't hear the words but I think I knew what they were right at me so fortunately I look around and I thought oh I think it was meant for her <laughs> you know I could feel the anger I, I think it was for her I don't think I'd done anything 
Jesus came into that. Jesus came into that. He, he came into that because he wanted us to know, I know what it's like to be a human. I, I, I know what it feels like to be one of you. Revealing God's choice to be with us, Jesus decided, I'm going to feel, I'm going to think, I'm going to know, I'm going to wonder, I'm going to ponder, I'm going to pray, I'm going to hurt, I'm going to dream, all because I want to be with my people. That's incarnation. If you've ever talked to someone and you're going through a really difficult situation and they say to you, I can imagine what that's like, but you know they've never had anything like that, you think to yourself, well, that's a nice attempt at empathy, but honestly, you have no idea what I'm going through. And then you can feel that. Well, Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. He dealt with it all. The scripture is really clear. He was tempted in every way like us and yet without sin. So he knows it all. He knows exactly what we feel. He knows what it's like to want to defend himself. He knows what it feels like to want to avoid a, a hard situation. He knows what, it, what it's like to just want a little tiny bit of pleasure at some point. He knows what, what it feels like to want to blame someone else for all the problems. He knows what all those things feel like. He knows because he's Emmanuel, God is with us. Love shows itself primarily in presence. God's presence with us, and it's the way that we demonstrate love in the world. Presence. Not presence, you know. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> There's two of us who understood. <laughs> Glad to give you a little joy today. <laughs> Jesus went further than loving presence, though, because from the loving presence of God comes the God-given desire for the good of the beloved. So Jesus went farther than just, I'll be with you. He, he, he wants to save us. And that's the second name, Jesus. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Let's go straight to the point. The powerful love of God was demonstrated mainly in Jesus who said, I will take on flesh, walk through real life, feel every bit of pain, willingly go to the cross, allow myself to be tortured, not, not let someone take my life, Jesus was clear about that, but give his life away on our behalf. He did that not because he deserved it or because he enjoyed it in any way. He did that because we deserved it and he loved us instead. Not because we needed a little bit of a helping hand. Jesus did not come to make us better people. It's important, I think, these days for us to understand. Jesus didn't come to make us better people. He came to make us new people. He, he didn't come, you know, go through all of that and, and life and, and torture and death and the cross and resurrection to sort of, you know, fix some crooked teeth and help us with a limp or make us a little nicer. He came because we were dead. He, he came because we needed to be reborn, because we didn't have a chance or the ability to bring any saving power to ourselves. Jesus did it because he loved us. He came to bring us from death to life, and he came to make us new. So the power of Jesus to save 
comes from the love of Jesus that would take on a human body and walk in our world and feel our pain so that we deserved only death could live without the penalty of sin here on this side of eternity. And when we go to be with God in eternity, I happened to do two funerals in the last two weeks, so I sat with people as they um, honestly in both cases rejoiced that their loved one was now out of pain and in eternity. Not only are those loved ones outside of the penalty of sin, they're now outside the presence of sin altogether. I mean, that's, that's what we look forward to. That's why Jesus came and went to the cross. I, I can't imagine that Mary and Joseph like had a clue. When Joseph gets this word, you shall name him Jesus because he'll save his people from their sin. I doubt they really understood how this was all going to go down. Because if they were faithful Jews, they would have expected that the Messiah would come with power and would come with authority and that everyone would see the Messiah and gladly honor him and follow him, right? That would have been what was in their mind. That's what the Messiah was supposed to look like and the way the Messiah was supposed to be received. But Jesus came as a baby, weak and humble and poor, and he showed his power not by conquering people, but by conquering death. He didn't come in and show his power by look how, you know, he didn't come and flex. He came and cried, right? Not conquering people, but conquering death that keeps people from God. And all this he did, according to the Bible and our own lived experience, he did, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners. You know what it's like when, you know, when you love someone and you know they'll be appreciative, it's really easy to help, you know. Um, Jane and I have been through a lot of sicknesses in the last month or so, and so when one is healthy, the other does the running up and down the steps, you know, and then when they switch, and then the other one. And, you know, I think we're pretty good at thanking one another um, for help. But it's easy when there's a loving look on the face. But imagine Jesus coming, knowing that everyone had rejected him, not just the people, them. Each of us in our own birth experience walks through life, and we stick our hand. I mean, let's not be crass, but we're that girl at Carmel High School. That anger, that, that's what we did say to Jesus. And while we were doing that, Jesus said, I'm going to come and go through life and then death, and I'm going to do it for you. So two questions as we move to a close. One is just honest. Have you received that saving power of Jesus? Have you ever acknowledged that the, the death that Jesus died was a death that you deserved? And just simply ask Jesus, um, could your death take the place of mine? Could, could you give me your life? I mean, it's, it's the longing heart of Jesus Say to us, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden and I'll give you life. I'll give you rest for your souls. So have you received saving power? And if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you know, when Nate was introducing communion, you go, I've seen it, I've done it, but I don't really know what it means to, to, to know Jesus. Then anyone on the ministry team or any pastoral staff or the person you came with or the person who will be so surprised you're here, they would love to talk to you about what it, means to be saved by God from your sin.
maybe a second question is, how is he calling you to participate in his saving plan? Is there, is there someone in your life or some place where God has told you to be an incarnational presence, to, to first be present and show what it looks like for God to be near? Doesn't everyone think that when you walk in the room? Here comes God. It's true. When you walk in the room, what the reality is, here comes God. Not you, but him in you. And I, How would it change our lives if we recognized the power of the saving presence that we carry into the world? Like Jesus and like Mary and Joseph and every other disciple, to be an incarnational presence and to step out and say something about it or help in a tangible way will probably bring discomfort. It certainly did for them. And so this isn't just an invitation <laughs> to go out and, you know, give presents on Christmas and be happy and tell everyone Jesus loves you. It's also an invitation to humility. And it's a, an invitation to sacrifice. It's an, an invitation to challenge. It's an invitation to misunderstanding, probably. And it's an invitation to joy, to be a part of someone's story of meeting God. Two things that we do with love. We receive it, we accept his nearness and his power, or we give it away. We're present in practical ways with others. It, this seems to be uh, heaven's favorite formula. What you get, you give away. And when you give it away, you get more. So that you give it away more, so you get more. That seems to be a formula of heaven. And I, it occurs to me that it's probably a formula for earth too. We, we say in the church, and this is no offense because I've been this person, um, we do give what we've gotten. Hurt people hurt people. Which is why at the Vineyard we're so big on healing, you know. Physical healing, yes, but emotional healing. And so Sozo and ministry team and all the things that we do. Why? Because healed people can bring healing to people. We tend to give away what we've received. And um, it's like that with love. We, we've got to receive it first before we can give it. I was, I was talking to, a, um, this is not someone in the church and not someone you probably know, but I was talking to a person in ministry pretty recently. And they had just taken some time off um, because they're burned out and dealing with incredible anxiety and some depression and, and um, so they, they took a few months off just to be uh, away. And after, um, you know, thinking through physical body things and lots of counseling and, um, and rest and refreshment and repentance and all sorts of things, this person ended up at a retreat center outside of the state. And a spiritual director that they'd never met came and, and in about 30 seconds said, you do not know how to receive the love of God. And it, and it broke this person. They've been in ministry for more than 20 years. They've planted churches. They've led people. They've given all sorts of things away. Here, here's the deal. Trying to give away what we haven't received is the recipe for burnout and illness. I mean, as soon as we try to give something when we don't, that we don't have, we're, we're, we're on the way to, to, to um, burnout or sickness. My own experience two years ago is my body said, hey, guess what? You're given something that you are not receiving right now. 
and I had to go away. I wasn't that person I just talked about, but man, could I understand them. So I just want to end with this as we talk about being an incarnational presence in the world and, and giving away God's saving power. Maybe what we need to begin with this morning is the willingness to receive it from God again. So um, why don't you stand? And if I could ask the ministry team to come forward um, away on this side and way on that side. I actually am going to uh, pray for us and then I'm going to ask them to put up a prayer on the screen because we want to pray this, uh, this last prayer together. And then I'll invite, invite you to the ministry team and also um, to come up and to write down a prayer request for any way in your life where you need to encounter God's love or any person in your life who needs God's presence, his loving presence, or his saving power. We're just going to fill this jar with uh, requests for love. And, and these are requests that God cannot wait to answer. So let's pray. I will pray, and then if you want, you can uh, follow me in the prayer that will be on the screen. Jesus, uh, you came to be with us, Emmanuel. And you came to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. And we thank you. We just thank you again. God, would you allow us once again to be able to be receivers, to receive God's love, your love again, to receive your saving power in our lives in some way. Holy Spirit, come and minister to us and open our hearts. Lord, I would would like to say that knowing the extent of your love, what you give to us, we will give away. And so we ask for insight and courage as we do that. The prayer on the screen, I just wrote this, this this week for myself. And so if it communicates your heart, let's pray it together. God, my loving and gracious Father, Give me a deeper and greater capacity to receive your love and courage and faith to give it away as you lead me by the Holy Spirit. Amen. If uh, Do you have a word before ministry? Okay. There. Okay. We've got a couple words that came in. Uh, one of them, if any of you are walking in today uh, experiencing rejection, Know that you have a high priest that sympathizes with your weaknesses, and he was rejected as well, but he became the cornerstone. Uh, Also, cherished children, some of you have been seriously attacked by hopelessness. Some of you are up to your necks in horrible circumstances. The pain and hopelessness feels excruciating. Beloved children, I yearn to minister to all of you. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Please come to me and surrender yourself and allow me to remove the hopeless yoke. I, your Abba Daddy, long to comfort you and bring you peace, love, and joy. Come, I long to hold you and to comfort you. So if either of those words or anything that Randy shared today is resonating you or you have a separate issue going on, please come up for ministry. Thanks. So you can come forward now 
in any way. And as you, uh, whether you want ministry or not, I encourage every person here to come and write down on one of the pieces of paper your request um, for the love of God released in your own life or in the lives of someone else. Come on up, pray, receive prayer.